All right, welcome everybody. This is Luke Humphrey with Luke Humphrey Running Datcam and another podcast episode. Today we're going to talk about the idea of Red S. Uh, recently came up with an old teammate, Jacob Riley, and uh, I've written something about it before, but I, I wanted to go into it a little bit more because, um, you know, Jake was very public with, with what happened to him and, and uh, a pretty tough situation. And I don't really want to go into Jake's personal situation, uh, but I want to, you know, it, it definitely, he came out with that. And then I saw, I looked at a lot of what our athletes go through and some of the conversations we have with athletes about eating and things like that. And uh, so it really, it really became a pertinent issue for, for myself and my athletes in terms of, of being able to provide some insight on this and, um, and hopefully just kind of you know bring to light because I think a lot of people kind of fall into this and and don't think anything's really wrong but yet performance is plateaued out they're constantly being injured Um, things just don't seem to ever go right for them in training and racing and i think that uh, the red s is is something that really should should be considered so um, with that i'll just jump into it uh, with uh, with the accompanying blog post i have and and we'll take it from there so all right, so like I said, recently an old Hanson's teammate, uh, now Olympian, Jacob Riley, made a, uh, a very public uh, uh, appeal about his situation, a pretty severe case of red S. And by the sounds of it, the, you know, the deficiency uh, really took a toll on Jacob's health and performance. And, you know, how does that happen to a guy like that at the top of his game? And, uh, you know, honestly, that's probably a discussion that he can only answer. I don't really want to get into that. And, um, but it, it got me really thinking about more than just a few of the athletes that I come into contact with. So the reason I say that is because part of our personal coaching package, we offer athletes a free nutrition consult and guide. And it's nothing crazy, but it's it's pretty eye-opening for at least a coach. Um, and a lot of times it's eye-opening for the athlete to see what they are or aren't eating. And honestly, the biggest thing we usually see is that they're, a person's really under-fueling, but then we're also met with a big hesitancy to accept that they are under-fueling. They accept that you know a 2,000 calorie diet is where they need to be, and that will support the the marathon training that they're doing. And, and to be honest, it, it, it's not you know, and and it's a hard it's a hard thing because you 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 get pushed back on, um, and you're trying to educate, but you can only you can only show a person, and then it's up to them really whether or not they want to do it. But uh, um, you know, and the question really becomes why. I don't know if it's because, you know, I get stuck on calories and things like that, but <clears throat> they usually, usually a typical thing we see is they, they want to lean out, and but they're not necessarily at a, a weight where they would warrant losing a lot of poundage, right? So like if they stayed the same weight but could shift body composition, I think they'd be right where they want. But instead, I feel like their only solution in their mind is to severely restrict calories and i say severely restrict from a standpoint of being able to support that they're what they're training for and think that they're going to lose just fat right they're they're not they're going to be losing muscle um probably some bone density and things like that if they're just going under severe caloric restriction and then they get plateaued out or they just still feel like they're puffy or bloated and then it just kind of it's a cycle right and so they never feel they never perform up to their ability and so they, rest- they restrict more and so it just becomes a just comes a snowball effect and so um you know and and that's that's kind of where we're at but uh, but basically they're not eating and they're not losing weight and they feel puffy right and i don't necessarily want to get into all of that and 
you know, but I don't, I, I do want to discuss the red S part of it and what, what practical info you can take from this and uh, what long-term implications for insufficient caloric intake can be, even if it's not traditional sense of severe overeating, right? So, so red S stands for relative energy deficiency for sport. And so basically what we're looking at is if you are taking in enough calories to support the work that you're doing. So what we're essentially calculating is energy availability, and that equals daily energy intake minus daily energy expenditure, and then that is divided by your fat-free mass. So this is expressed in terms of kcals per kilogram of fat-free mass per day. So to calculate it, this you need to know how much you are eating, how much you're burning, and your weight in kilogram in your body body fat percentage. So I'll use myself as an example. Let's say I weigh 155 pounds. That's equal to 70.45 kilograms. That's weight in pounds divided by 2.2. Um, my body fat, I think, is somewhere around 12%. This means that 70.45 times 0.12 is 8.45 kilograms. So you take the body weight minus the, the fat weight. So the 70.45 minus 8.45, that gives me a fat-free mass of 62 kilograms. Um, so we'll assume, let's say I eat 2,500 calories a day and I burn 1,200 calories through running and strength training. <laughs> yeah, right, strength training. <laughs> no, a little bit. Uh, so my calculation will look like this. EA will equal 2,500, the calories I'm eating, minus the 1,200 that I'm burning through exercise. I will divide that by 62 kilograms of fat-free mass, or that gives me 20.96 kcals of fat-free mass per day. So, okay, great. That's great. I got a number. What does that mean? Truth is, there's not a lot of long-term study out, data out there. Uh, I can't imagine why. I can't imagine starving somebody and then wanting to study them long-term. I can't see how that's, that's a helpful situation, or a, a, right? Um, so a lot, of, a lot of what we're using is coming from very short-term study data, three to five days, cross-sectional data, and case studies. And so what we write now, the, the consensus is that 45, 40 to 45 kilograms of fat, kcals per, uh, k, 45 k, 40, sorry, excuse me, 40 to 45 kcals per kilogram of fat-free mass per day is basically a net zero caloric intake per day. So 40 to 45 is where you really want to try to be just to maintain your weight, maintain performance, maintain health. Once you get below 30, so 30 kcals per kilogram of fat-free mass per day, once that number's below 30, that's when problems really start to show. So things like immune function, muscle protein synthesis, fatigue, dyslipidemia, endothelial function, those things all start to rear their ugly heads. So that is a situation we don't want to be a part of. All right, so let's assume... So really what we're looking at is 40, 40 to 45 is good, under 30, bad. But that's a big area, right? That lives us 30 to 40 where it's kind of a, a gray area, right? All right, so let's use the example of 120-pound female with about 15% body weight. That would be a pretty common woman we work with. So if they eat 2,000 calories a day but they burn 1,000 calories a day through exercise, that puts their energy availability of about 21 and what if they do a long run but they eat the same amount of calories? That puts her at a, about a 10. So that's, that's probably severe, but I definitely could imagine, you know, we, don't, we haven't really started testing for this yet, but it's something that we probably should because I would like to see what those are for people. 
But I would say that 20 is probably fairly common for, for a lot of the women I work with. Because I know, because we tell them, we show what they eat for per day. And a lot of time it's like 1,800 to maybe 2,500 calories. And they're burning, you know, on average, at least 1,000 calories a day. So, um, so, so now you can see it's not, it might not be too bad on one day, but it might be really off on another. So what's that average out to be over the long term? And that's kind of what I was starting to think about. What does that mean in a practical, in a practical manner? So I go back to what we know from studies. And so short-term deficits can probably actually boost performance by burning some unwanted fat weight. But long-term is not good, right? It's not a good situation to be in. So a missed day here and there, it is what it is. Uh, you know, my guess is that a lot of athletes have some swings below 30, all the way up to 45, maybe even above 45 on some days. My problem is that we know in 30 can wreak havoc over time, and that 30, 40 to 45 on average is where the sweet spot is. But what if somebody's averaging somewhere in between? What if they're averaging 35 to 38? I mean, that's not necessarily a good situation either. So, and I think that's where a lot of people might be. Like, and that's a self, to me, that's a self proclaimed you know, danger zone, right? Because they find themselves there unintentionally. They think they're doing well eating, they are training hard. So it's hard to discern just hard training from hard being fatigued from not eating enough. So it's a, it's a, to me, that's a really tough spot to be in. So you'd have to, that's something you really want to make sure that you're out of. Right. Um, so like I said, I think that's a self-proclaimed danger zone and it intrigued me that it makes sense when I look at a lot of our athletes. So the decline is so gradual over a long period of time that it doesn't stick out as the main issue. They aren't, you know, they're not starving themselves. They're certainly not just restricting meals from their diet to lose weight, but they're, are they eating enough to support what they're actually doing. And so over the months and maybe even over the years, they find themselves fatigued, plateaued out. They're not improving. They're not handling the mileage. They've ne got nagging injuries. They're always sick. Um, so it's easy and logical to say that's just a hard training, right? Maybe And so they go to the step, well, maybe I'm not written. Maybe the training isn't right for me. You know, maybe it's not, but this is something I think that really should be, should be looked at. So I think it's, um, I'd be interested to see where athletes fit in this description. If they track this, you know, on a weekly or monthly basis and just kind of saw where it was at. It would be interesting to see um, if anybody would, if anybody's doing that, what that, what those numbers would look like. So, oh, okay, so from where we are is from a practical standpoint. Um, so tracking food intake every day probably won't happen. Uh, I actually don't really like the idea of counting calories for extended periods of time. There's so many things like you have to be very right pretty much right on with portion sizes. And then if you're using something like mapmyfitness.com, you have, you know, 30 versions of the same thing and they all have different numbers. And, you know, people, when they're tracking, sometimes they uh, uh, change what they eat, let's say. Um, they're not eating what they would normally eat, but they're eating because they know that they're actually gonna be looking at numbers. So I'm not a big proponent of that, but I do think it serves a purpose short term to kind of see and give yourself some idea of where you are at. Um, what I would, you know, do is, instead is get an idea of how much you need to maintain a 40 to 45 type number on certain days. So what I mean is how much energy intake do you need for a short, easy day, let's say an easy six mile day versus a long 16 day or a long, you know, 10 mile tempo day. Those numbers are gonna be different. So figure out what you need to get into that 40, 45, and then you can plan your day around that from an eating standpoint. And so what I might do is track what I'm eating and know what I'm burning over these different days just to get an idea and then use the guide, use that to guide me, maybe calculate what these numbers look like as the training volume increases. But I'm not strictly looking at it day after day after day, right? But I'm establishing baselines, I'm establishing numbers that I need 
and then I'm kind of figuring out what those certain days should look like, and then I'm planning my food food around that. And then getting athletes to add significant numbers of calories across the day can be pretty tough, let alone when you ask them to eat more carbs. If this is you, then maybe where we start isn't just where your food daily food intake, but your workout nutrition. And if we can get you to take in pre-run fuel and then really work on your exercise fueling during exercise and top it off with a nice post-workout recovery, then your main meals and snacks may only need small tweaking. So if you only like to eat 50% carbs for your meals and, you know, 30% protein, 20% fat, that's fine. But let's make sure we're getting the carbohydrates in during the exercise. Because we add a lot. If we're following what we really should be doing pre, during, and post – we can add several hundred calories of carbohydrates that's getting utilized right away, right? It's going to, it's going to the work that we want to do. And so that might be the easiest way to do it. And then your, your meals and your snacks, you don't really need to mess around with as long as they're healthy and you don't need to, um, you know, you don't have big swings in something, right? You're not eating, you know, 50% fat and 10% carbs, right? You want to balanced meals and then maybe emphasize the carbs on your, for your training nutrition. Um, and so not only is it important to get enough fuel, but it's also important to get the fuel at the right time. So I think that really helps it, right? That, that brings in the carbohydrates exactly when you need it. And so you're putting a lot of carbs in, but you're using a lot of carbs too. And you can get back to that baseline a lot quicker. And this will definitely help uh, a few area, with a few areas of training and performance because then you get used to eating and drinking on your workouts, even when you're running faster paces when you're long in long runs. And then it makes it so much easier to do it on race day and it makes it easier to do it in the volumes you need to actually be successful at it on the race day. And so at the end of the day, I can see where people uh, across the spectrum can completely miss something like Red S. But I feel like if you're plateaued in performance and you're you're not starving yourself, but maybe you're not in that 30 level, but you're, you're probably not that 40, 45 level, it'd be interesting to see maybe you're at that 35, that 35 level. Do we need to boost that up a little bit, especially on workout days, so that you are providing enough fuel? Because the long term, you don't want to be in that situation. Because all that, all those things I mentioned before. Uh, let me go back to that immune function. So if you have a if you have a suppressed immune function, what's going to happen? You're probably going to get sick more often. Muscle protein synthesis. So you're training hard, you're breaking down muscle muscle protein. Now you've and you don't take in enough fuel. You're degrading how much can actually be built back up. Fatigue, you're tired. Well, you're burning your muscles and not replacing them, so that makes sense. Um, dyslipidemia, endothelial, there's even uh, blood issues that can happen. So all those things, not only for your health, but for, for performance too, all make such a big difference. So it'd be really interesting. So you might have been stuck in that situation for, for months, maybe even years, and not even really known it. So I think it's something that can be easily checked. This is something you could 100% do on your own. Um, and you can get an idea of where you're at right away. And to me, it's some, it's pretty easy fixes, especially with what I suggested um, doing. And um, and then you can go from there. You can get more help if you need it, or you can take care of the issue yourself. But the the, the big thing is, you if if you do see yourself in a situation like that, you've got to be open minded and be like, okay, well, yes, if I'm running 50, 60 miles a week, 2,000 calories a day probably isn't going to get it done. And you can't judge what a sedentary person is needing or a lightly active person is needing versus somebody who's in very heavy training for say a half marathon or a marathon, right? And so that has, you have to have some open mind in this there and say, recognize, okay, I need this fuel. It's going to help me be healthier and it's going to help me be faster. So take with it, what take from it, what you will, 
but I think uh, I think just you know Jacob's situation and just seeing what I see all the time with my athletes, I would be very curious to see how many athletes we work with are actually in kind of that between 30 and 40 range where they've just kind of in no man's land and not really no clear cut answer, but it's, it's lying in there if we just tracked it. So, all right, that's it for this week. And, uh, I will talk to you all later. Hopefully, uh, this helped you out. All right, take care.